Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I just want to try to make it so you don't lose too much money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach. Put days like today in the context. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. To reopen or not to reopen? That is the question. Ideally, we keep everything closed until the federal government massively ramps up its testing and contact tracing capacity. That would be my preferred outcome. But what if we're waiting for nothing? I got to tell you, without more aggressive action from the federal government, we may have no choice but to reopen as the economy spirals into a depression. What does reopening the economy even mean, though? The markets flummoxed, which is one reason why the Dow slipped 457 points today. NASDAQ is down 2.06%, S&P down 205%. Right now, most businesses are begging for some direction, any direction from the government, from the federal government, aside from the handful of dominant players who've already got this situation figured out. Now, I have been pounding the table, because remember, it is mad money. It's not like mad depression. I've been pounding the table on, on Amazon for months because it's got the scale, the convenience, and the low prices to take over the world here. Target's figured it out really well, and their online numbers are vastly superior to nearly all their other brick-and-mortar competitors. I think Walmart stock, too cheap, given that it's got a big digital business with 4,769 warehouses, along with its brick-and-mortar stores that serve as warehouses, of course, and a fabulous food delivery biz. Why? Because they're so, everybody's local. There's always a Walmart right near you. Costco knows what it's doing. They took the, the hit and demanded that all their customers and employees wear masks. It's now a safe place to shop where you can load up on tons of merchandise at bulk prices that simply aren't available online. I think everyone's going to follow suit with a mask. The recent strength in Home Depot is a bit mystifying because the latest quarter was really nothing to write home about. But if you want to take your stimulus check and use it to turn your home office into an actual office, Home Depot gives you the best bang for your buck. By the way, same goes for Lowe's, which is, uh, I think, is putting its pre-Marvin Allison, he's the CEO, troubles behind it. However, with the exception of these big box retailers, uh, stores, most retailers don't have a clue how to reopen. You know who's got it even worse than retailers? The restaurants. We know they're trying out all sorts of delivery and takeout initiatives, but it's hard to make money from delivery unless you build your concept around it from the ground up. And that's why Chipotle and Domino's Pizza are really the only ones that are cleaning up here. Chipotle in particular is in great shape. Remember I told you it was going to a G? It's even got the real estate investment trust playing ball and allowing them to open their extremely lucrative Chipotle lanes for drive through Those real estate investors the trust didn't want to do that, but they have to because these guys are solvent. Unfortunately, that's about it. Almost everybody else in the industry is shut, and it's crushing the economy. I'd be okay with that if our leaders had a plan. But, but I don't know about you. Doesn't it, Christy, feel like that's not an option? 
So what is like the craziness in California where some unelected officials keeping Tesla's factory uh, from, from going full steam, even as the governor's opening up all sorts of higher risk enterprises like bookstores, clothing stores and floors? Why are they higher risk? Because they're unregulated. The planning line must reopen puts a huge number of people to work, especially when you consider the supply chain. And it's exactly the kind of factory that can be heavily regulated by OSHA, the agency that handles worker safety. I know OSHA needs more of a backbone. Later today, we're going to uh, have Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, on the show, talk about her new bailout package, which includes a worker safety provision that would force OSHA to come up with new safety standards for handling COVID-19. And then all you musk haters, will you give me a break? You got OSHA in there. Unless you're short the stock, and that's probably your real game. I think what we need, we need clear rules from the federal level. I, I, enough, enough of this the confederacy of rules, which brings me to the real issue. Our country's become a grab bag of state and local regulations that hardly anyone any understands. I mean, this is the time for uniform leadership from the federal government. We can't just kick everything back to the states. They don't know enough. They don't know what works. We know there's no magic bullet against COVID-19. Hey, but we do have some regular bullets. So far, the best centralized responses come not from Washington, but from Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce. Thanks to Benioff, we know that you need masks for everyone, aggressive hand washing, social distancing, testing when people are symptomatic, and contact tracing to pinpoint new outbreaks. There it is, guys. This is all we got. All right? This is it. The numbers on masks, though, are stunning. Get this. If 80% of the population wear masks that are, let's say, 60% effective, because we're not more than that, new infections will plummet to less than 10% of where they are now. Put everybody in masks, and COVID-19 starts to feel more like a bad flu season. Of course, not with morbidity. It's far worse. The numbers go down even more when you add that social distancing, like you see in those pictures of the newly reopened Shanghai Disney, where everyone's at least one meter apart. Hey, make them six feet apart. It's even better. We got to have to face some facts here, though. We can order more masks. I wish we had the really good ones, but we haven't get the ones, the KNs and stuff. We don't have enough guidance from Washington, particularly the CDC. For example, my restaurant, we're, we're mostly planning to take the, the Tennessee pledge on table distance. No bar, aggressive questioning about illness, temperature when you come in. Financially, uh, the Tennessee plan is a recipe for disaster, uh, but it's all we got. And that's why we need another stimulus bill to get smaller retailers and restaurants through this difficult period. Imagine the volunteer state. Thank you, guys. Listen, I don't expect a strong economy for ages. I'm betting on a you with that bottom part being like longer than most people, like when you were in right in cursive, you know, uh, that's the term. But even a you might be out of reach without a strong set of rules from Washington that gives businesses a clearer sense of what they need to do to reopen safely. It just needs some advice. So why do I suddenly think reopening is a good idea? I have enormous respect for Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, he says it could be disastrous. But here's the problem. The whole point of the lockdown is to buy time for the federal government to build out testing and contact tracing. But if the government's not doing that with alacrity, we're buying time for nothing. I want what Fauci wants, a more aggressive federal response. But at this point, wishful thinking, consider the cost. Without another bailout, a continued lockdown will cause a wave of defaults across this country. Something could potentially take down the banks, turning a health crisis into a financial crisis. And come on, you see the way the bank stocks trade. You know those dividends look like they're in jeopardy, right? The Federal Reserve has been very good at preventing a credit freeze, not buying some ETS and bonds. But they're not omnipotent. We already have 14.7% unemployment. Forget it. We have 14.7% unemployment a month ago. 
It's probably much worse now. That could wreck the whole economy for years to come. Too many revolvers have been drawn, too many loans to car dealers, to retailers, to franchises, all of which are in jeopardy, which is why the bank stocks trade as if their dividends will have to be cut. It is inevitable unless we reopen the economy faster and do it right. What makes the situation even more urgent? It could be months or years before we get a vaccine. And we're going to hear from a vaccine company later on the show. And I think that's a little wishful, but who knows? We can't truly go back to normal until there is a vaccine. But we also can't afford to keep the economy shut down through 2021. That's why I think that we need to do the best we can to get as close to normal as possible while still taking the necessary precautions, including federal funds, so that people with pre-existing conditions who are at high risk of dying from COVID can keep staying home. Here's the bottom line. We need to seriously ask ourselves, what are we waiting for? I would love it if the government spent a fortune on testing and contract uh, contact tracing, but you don't hold your breath. It's one thing to shut down the economy to buy time so the Fed can contain this thing, but if they're not going to use that time, what is the point? We might as well try to reopen as safely as we can now to prevent a second Great Depression. Let's go to Camel, uh, Camel in uh, Illinois. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jim. It's come on from Chicago. I know. I, I, the hey, third time's best. Third time's best. It's a charm. Go ahead. Yeah. So I want to first thank you, Jim. I've been watching you for 12 years now, and uh, I want to thank you for being one of the few people that says sell every once in a while. And I thank you for not panicking at the bottoms. Thank you. I know I came back from that Super Bowl hot. Everyone was making fun of me. But I said, this is the real deal. And I moved my family out of town. It was the best thing I ever did, (laughs) although I miss them. You know, I actually, of course I miss them. I mean, you know, came out wrong. Go ahead. So I was too late to buy Amazon years ago. So I've been wanting to get something like that. So I I got interested in JD.com as a Chinese Amazon. It seems to have done well, I'm hoping, with the quarantine. And since China has opened up now, I'm hoping it does better. Also, a secondary is coming up in Hong Kong, in in the Hong Kong Exchange. And the earnings are coming up Friday. Should I buy more of that? No, 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 no. And look, you mentioned the stock to own, and that'd be Amazon. Alibaba is a close second for me, but it's Amazon. J.D.'s had a bit of... Bit of a move here. Hey, why don't we go to Alex in Texas? Alan, how about those nice things that uh, come out? I said, but Alex, you're up. Hey, Jim, sending you a big D booyah from Dallas, Texas, and shout out to Cowboys Nation. My question is about uh, no, the company that I, I'd sell it. <laughs> oh, my I'm sorry. Was there an actual question involved, or just a, just denigration of my own country? Hey, you know, I can't help it that we're better than y'all, but you got the most recent Super Bowl, so you're you're up on on that one. Yeah, I would say so. I would say recent's the right word. <laughs> Go ahead. So my question is about a company that is down over fifty percent from their late twenty nineteen IPO and has experienced tremendous revenue growth in a market that is vastly underpenetrated. While continuing to serve customers staying at home and even providing PPE to healthcare professionals right. on the front lines. They recently received a patent for their retail concept and treatment process, keeping their competition at bay and priming themselves uh, for a surge in demand this? as more businesses are allowed to open up. They partner with healthcare companies like Aetna and United to help drive sales and recently announced another partnership with Anthem. Their product helps people look their selfie and zoom best. And it's much more economical than their largest okay. competitor. Okay, which, so what? What is your thought on Smile Direct Club? On what? Smile Direct Club? That is the that is the cow 
cowboys of the of the market. That is the cowboys. I mean, even Tony Romo would know that. Get Tony. I got him on my speed dial. No, man, you're going to have to stay away from that. Uh, You know, um, what can I say? That's uh, no, you're not going to win a game in the division with Smile Direct. Not one single game. Did you hear me? Not a single game. Even if we don't play, you're not going to win any game. Oh, man, money tonight. I'm sitting down with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. How are new $3 trillion coronavirus aid packages hoping to help? Can you believe I actually think it's too small? Then Novavax is soaring today up over 60%. Why, of course, because we hope that they have a vaccine for COVID-19. I'll talk to the CEO. And Logitech sales surge is working from home, uh, boost demand. I've got the exclusive Smile Direct Club. That's what this is. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Shangela, and I want to invite you to Hallelujah Happy Hour. Every week, honey, I'm shaking up a cocktail, making a playlist, and hanging with friends. Okay, let's feel. You're going to tell that you are messy. Oh, he's so hot. I'm into him. Is he listening to this? And it's going to be what? Sickening. Follow Hallelujah Happy Hour and listen for free on Spotify. There's no sugarcoating this. We need another rescue package from the feds to go to the next stage of reopening the economy. Without more aid for smaller retailers, restaurants, nonprofits, we're headed for a world of nationwide hurt. We're only the biggest change that we left standing. Every other entity and the people who work at them will be left behind, far behind. Now there's another rescue package. It's on the table. This morning, the Democrats in the House of Representatives unveiled a new $3 trillion stimulus bill that they're calling the HEROES Act. While the Republicans in the Senate have already come out in opposition, dismissing it as a Democratic wish list, there's some good stuff in here. Like a, a badly needed $1 trillion dollars for cash-strapped state and local governments, another round of 1,200 stimulus checks with an extra $1,200 for each of your dependents, more funding for unemployment insurance and the pay- payroll protection program, and $75 billion for coronavirus testing and contact tracing, which you know we need. I think this is a sensible opening bid for the Democrats, given that the economy is still sputtering, and we don't want a public health crisis to turn into a credit crisis, something Republicans don't want to avoid. they got to avoid it, too. Don't take it from me. Let's go right to the source with Nancy Pelosi. She's the Democratic Speaker of the House. Learn more about this bill and whether she can get it passed. Speaker Pelosi, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be here with you. Uh, thank you. I wish it were under other circumstances, uh, but uh, we have big decisions to make. To yes. Help the American people. Yes, we do. Now, uh, Madam Speaker, let's get right to it. Without this. Are we not on the verge of something that exceeds the Great Depression, both for unemployment and for just, I would say, uh, the ability of our country to come back? The longer this goes on, the worse it's going to be. Well, and the more it's going to cost in terms of lives and livelihood and to our economy writ large. 
Uh, I do believe that, uh, the, uh, as horrible as we've read that the Great Depression was, it wasn't uh, compounded by a threat to the lives of the American people. Everyone is familiar with the numbers. Over 80,000 people have died. 1.3 plus uh, million people have been infected. 30 million people on unemployment insurance. These numbers are unimaginable. So uh, the, co the combination of the two, the synergy of it all is just horrific. And we have to act. And that's why we want to open the economy and our schools uh, but to do so, we must test, test, test. If everyone agrees to that, except that uh, there's those who have not made a decision to do that. So we have in our plan not only the money for testing, but all the health care that goes with that, uh, the hospital assistance to hospitals and care in, in addition to testing and tracing. So it's a big ticket item, and it's a decision. And if we don't do it, we will not get a handle on how big this virus challenge is, and we won't understand the disparity with which it is attacking different communities. So if we test, we can diagnose, we can treat and, and trace so we stop the spread of this. Then we can open our schools uh, and our economy, and what we want to do it all as safely and as soon as possible. At the same time, we want to honor our heroes in all of this, our healthcare workers, uh, all the workers, first responders, whether it's sanitation or transportation or teachers, or, uh, the list goes on of those who, have, uh, uh, who risk their lives to save lives, and they now may lose their jobs, and our way of honoring them is not just with words, but with actions and supporting the state and local governments uh, for their uh, uh, coronavirus outlays and for their lost revenue. And then, of course, money in the pockets while people are are suffering, you listed some of the things. Sure. And I would say to those who said, uh, who say we should have a pause, well, as you know, hunger doesn't have a pause, bills don't have a pause in coming, rent doesn't have a pause, uh, the list, the, the, uh, just the pain of those who are out of work doesn't have a pause until we can open our economy and do so in a scientifically safe way. It's no mystery. The scientists all agree. Test, trace, treat. But, but, Madam Speaker, if, if we don't get a vaccine, we can test all we want, we can treat all we want, but it will never be the same. We might be in a rut for a long time. Quite frankly, the testing, tracing, and treating uh, is something that we know that we can do. It's within our grasp. We haven't done it. Even though our first bill in March, a bipartisan bill, on March 4th, it passed the House, testing, testing, testing. Even though our most recent bill... Uh, passed. We put $25 billion in for testing, but it, it has not assumed the responsibility to have a strategic plan to get this done, and that's what our bill does. It's a decision. Because, right. uh, God willing, we will have a cure, th some therapies, right. or we'll have a vaccine. But if we, but we know, that, that we don't know when that is, but we know right now that we can reduce the spread of this. We can get a handle on the size of it and how it's impacting different communities and we can defeat this virus. And if we get it, when we get a, a therapy and, and a vaccine, that will make it easier. But now, we cannot wait for that. I know. Now, yesterday I spoke to Secretary Mnuchin and he said, listen, if the Democrats in Congress are amenable, 
There could be some flexibility there. I was speaking about the possibility, not all the restaurants, the retailers, they're not ready for this new world, not ready for for all the different changes they have to make. And they're trying to pay people, but they could go out of business just waiting uh, to be able to fix their places up. He seemed to indicate that if you show flexibility, he'll show flexibility. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is a negotiation. We think this is what is necessary to meet the needs of the American people. State and local, testing, 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 and putting money in the pockets of the American people. All of these provisions have have a provenance in our former four bills that passed in a bipartisan way. All of them are supported by Democrats and Republicans across the country. Uh, so I think that uh, uh, I think that there's an opportunity for here for us because this is only centered only centered on the coronavirus. Although it's a big ticket, it's a big problem. And as you know, probably, uh, Chairman Powell said to us, think big because the interest rates are so low. Uh, They're so low that they're giving uh, uh, some people confidence that credit will be available, and that is stoking the stock market. And so we want to use those low interest rates to stoke the American people as well. Madam Speaker, one thing really intrigues me here. I've been saying that OSHA's got to be tougher. Now, we know in your state, Elon Musk, who's an amazing man, who's created so many jobs, he'd like to open a plant. There's a a well-meaning county unelected official who would like to stop that. If we had a strong OSHA, this wouldn't be an issue. He'd open his plant. If it wasn't any good, OSHA would say stop, right? Yeah, no, that's really the funny part of it, because the very people who oppose a strong OSHA standard, and I'm not saying he does, but there are others who oppose a strong OSHA standard, but it, frankly, is their best protection. It enables them to have people come in a, to a safe workplace, so if something happens to them, the best defense uh, that the, ma- uh, the employer has is that we obeyed the letter and the spirit of the law well, of the OSHA. You would be in favor of that plan opening. It was provided that there's oversight. Well, we have to. One of the provisions of this bill that we haven't been able to get past in previous bills, but not with strong opposition, it just wasn't a priority for the other side at the time. But we think it's a prior, a stronger priority now. Uh, we've always been for it. Is that we have a strong. Uh, OSHA regulation, not guidelines, but mandates as to what should happen in the workplace. That's your, everybody's best protection, the worker and the employer, should the worker get sick. Should that plant be open? Should must be allowed to open that plant? Well, I don't know what the conditions are in his plant, uh, but uh, again, uh, what we have to be concerned about is the safety of the worker. Totally. And if workers aren't safe, they're not even going to go because, as you know, this is a family matter. The president talks about warriors. We talk about families. Understood. This is a family matter. Our whole country is a family. But people do not want to go out uh, to, to bring something home uh, that could be avoided because imagine if your children uh, are... Uh, well, I just right. don't even want to go no, there. We don't want to so think sad. about it. It's so horrible. Yeah. We don't want to think about it. Anyway, thank you so much, Nate Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House. Always welcome a man money. Thank you so much. Thank you. Remember, if we don't do it now, it's only going to cost more. And no matter how big the price, the American people are worth it. Total agreement. Thank you, Jim. Total agreement. We have money back after the break. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. 
Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Binge on 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, and everything from hit movies to the latest news, comedy, live sports, and more. Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Biggest winners in this market are the handful of companies that are working on a vaccine for COVID-19. But it's the incredible move in Novavax, which is up roughly 900% for the year, including a monster 62.5% move or $15 just today. Is this sustainable? That's what you need to know. At the beginning of this year, Novavax was a tiny biotech company developing a new flu vaccine. Now it's a much larger entity that's making real progress in the fight against the pandemic. Last time we learned that Novavax could potentially get nearly $400 million in milestone payments from the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, which is a very high-powered coalition, to help develop and manufacture their COVID-19 vaccine candidate. Talk about a vote of confidence. Now, you need to be very careful with these white-hot biotech stocks. In the end, we only need one vaccine for this thing. If Novavax stumbles, the stock's going to get crushed. Plus, they do not have a great track record. But this could be a big deal, which is why I do want to take a closer look with Dr. Stanley Erk, the president and CEO of Novavax, to learn more about his potential vaccine for COVID-19. Dr. Eric, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you for having me, Jim. Glad to be here. Okay, so uh, doctor, please tell us why you think this vaccine for a very difficult illness will be efficacious. Well, it builds on, we, we have a lot of experience with vaccines against infectious diseases, emerging infectious diseases. We've actually made two uh, corona vaccines over the past seven or eight years. And, and that have shown uh, protection in animals. We've made an Ebola vaccine that has shown 100% check in protection in, in non-human primates when challenged with Ebola. So we, so we know how to do this. And so this is, this is the one virus that has stuck around and has been now declared a pandemic. We're using the same platform that we've used successfully in uh, previous emerging diseases. So yeah. now, our, now, our process, now our goal is to is to do in parallel two things. One is continue to show in increasingly mature animal models and ultimately in humans that the vaccine produces a safe immune response. And secondly, is to start the process of scaling up so we can have a crack at making enough doses to for global distribution. Okay, so uh, please give us the details of this CEPI funding. Uh, we, it, it, we know that it could be up to 384 million uh, but it, it, they already give them four million invested in March. But is this for milestones? If you uh, make certain milestones, you get money, and if you don't, you uh, the money doesn't come your way. No, I think this is this is different. So we all realized, and, and Novavax realized this back in January, is is that if we if we do what we always do, is once the gene sequence is known, we make a clone and start animal trials and start uh, repeating animal trials with, with, with more animals, and we, we get into humans and we wait for human data, we're gonna wait six months. And so uh, we can't run a pandemic program by waiting. It's every month, as you know, as you see in the newspapers, uh, a lot of people die, a lot more people get, get the disease. So you have to go and take, and take a bet, make a bet that you uh, have to make more, have to scale up the process. And so our intention, is to make enough doses so that we can vaccinate, so that we'll have at the end of the year uh, 
maybe as much as 100 million doses of this vaccine and be able to have the capacity to make a billion doses next year. And, and, uh, and so you have to do those two things in parallel. So what did CEPI do? CEPI agreed with us. They stepped in. They, they are very familiar with our technology platform, as is the Gates Foundation and others. And they recognize that it's it's has a nothing's 100 percent, but it has a high probability of being successful. And so they agreed with us and said, we will give you the money to, to go into large scale manufacturing to acquire large scale plants and and the equipment that goes into those plants uh, early is, is expensive and to reserve space. So this money not only funds uh, the clinical trials in phase one and phase two that we're going to be doing starting in May, uh, but it also funds uh, the acquisition of much larger capacity. All right, now we had Robert Kramer on last week. He's the CEO of Emergent Biosolutions. Now, he, he was mentioning that the company's going to be a contract manufacturer for several companies, including Novavax. What is your partnership relationship with them? Well, so they are neighbors of ours, and we've known them for a long time. And they, they have developed similar uh, technologies. So we transfer our technology to them, and they have the ability to make what's called GMP material, material suitable to go into human trials. And so we started early on. You start at a very low scale, let's say 50 liters, and, and that's what we made. We've used to make our first GMP batches. In fact, Right now, material from that first 50 liters is, has been purified and is in the release process and is being shipped to Australia for our first phase one clinical trial. And in the meantime, they're also scaling up to the 2,000 liter and ultimately to the 4,000 liter scale. So then you can make tens and hundreds of millions of doses a month at various plants. And we'll take that technology and acquire uh, larger facilities and uh, make a lot of doses. So they've been very instrumental in getting us from the 50 liter stage to the 2000 liter stage. Okay. So if I were uh, your money manager, say in the old days, which is what I did, I would say, look, uh, both your company and you should take advantage of what could be over enthusiasm, stock up 15 points today, raise some money for your company, and also be prudent and take some money off the table yourself. Will be will either of those options or both be considered by you, doctor? The first one is what's of concern to me right now, and we've done that. We've, we've uh, as we announced, we've we've raised $300 million in the past uh, 60 or 90 days. Um, and that will allow us to achieve the goals that I've just stated. Okay, that's important because, again, I don't want people to come in and say, look, it's, this is a, uh, a done deal in the sense that you're doing it what, with primates and that they necessarily have the same DNA as humans so that we would think that it would be as safe and also as, uh, as efficacious? Yes, there's a lot of learning you can have. I and mean, we've, as I say, we've got a lot of history. We, we know what we've done in mice translates into non-human primates. And what we do in non-human primates always translates into humans. What you want to do is measure antibody levels in general, and then you want to measure neutralizing antibodies. Higher levels of neutralizing antibodies are, are considered correlates of that the, that the vaccine will be protective. And that's what we're doing right now. We're in baboon studies and uh, looking to get very high levels of, of neutralizing antibodies. 
All right. Well, look, we have to wish you the best of luck. It's really important for our entire nation that you come up with something. I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Obviously, the whole country's putting pressure on you. But I want to thank you for coming on Mad Money. That's Dr. Stanley Erk, CEO of Novavax. Always good to see you, sir. Thank you. Okay, so guys, they have real funding. But please, let's be careful. A $15 is a big move, and there won't be good news necessarily tomorrow, okay? I want people to be careful. And, of course, I'm rooting for a vaccine from Novavax. Mad Money's back into the press. said it before, I'm going to say it again. The stay-at-home stocks are cleaning up right now. Just look at Logitech International, the king of computer peripherals, and also high-end gaming equipment, with a stock that surged 1.4% today to a new all-time high in what was truly a terrible day. For months, we've been recommending this stock as a, a coronavirus winner. Really, it's part of the Kramer COVID-19 index, as millions of Americans have been forced to set up their own home offices. Logitech makes the best hardware. They, that's why the company shot the lights out when it reported last night, delivering a monster top and bottom line beat, thanks to some huge strength in video collaboration, audio and wearables, tablet accessories, and mobile speakers. On top of that, management reiterated their full-year forecast. How many people have really done that? But can the stock keep roaring as our economy gradually starts to reopen? Well, why don't we check in with Bracken Darrow? He's the president CEO of Logitech International. Get a better read on the quarter and where his company's headed. Hey, Mr. Darrow, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, it's great to be back, Jim. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Bracken, when you're on last, the stock was at $37, and you did something that is very rare for CEOs. You said, you know what? The stock does not reflect what's about to come. Now, did, that, did you see the work-at-home, play-at-home revolution occurring? No, I really didn't. You know, I didn't see what was coming. I just really believed that, you know, our business is being driven by four big secular trends, video going into everything, the rise of esports, the growth of creativity and streaming online, and then remote work. And uh, and those four things are 85% of our business. It just so happened that right after that, when everybody went into home, everything's accelerated. Well, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that number three, the creative. Um, it served, initially, I thought the creative was going to be Hollywood. It looks like that there's maybe, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of millions of people who are creative on streaming. Well, why? Is that because they always had ideas, but they lacked the equipment? You know, I think we, you and I grew up in a world where big companies owned the content creation. Right. And they beamed it into our living rooms and into our eyeballs, and they sold advertising behind it. What's happening now is, the, the access to, to platforms where everybody can view your content have exploded, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or Twitch. And so now it's the democratization of content creation. Everybody's a Disney if they want to be. Whether you've got one, one follower or millions, you can, you can try and, and get it out there and see what people think. So it's an explosion of creativity and creators. And that's, our, that's one of our key businesses going forward. Now, I want to talk about empowerment for a second. Look, we're in a downtime. And you're on, and I'm glad you're on, because you're not a downer. There are people who are stuck at home. There are people who have lost their jobs. But they understand how to be creative. And they're creating their own companies. They're getting involved with Shopify, an unbelievable stock. And they're using Logitech equipment to express themselves in a way where they actually might make a living. Am I being too optimistic in a very negative world? You know, you and I are both optimists, but, you know, let's face it. I mean, I, have, I would be remiss if I didn't start by saying, you know, 
I, I want to personally say thank you to all the, the essential workers out there, from the medical professionals to the grocery clerks to the people delivering. You know, they are, they're, they're putting themselves in harm's way. They're the real heroes in this, and, and they just so, show such courage. But I think all those people who are at home who, who either, either have dreamed of trying to become their own, uh, their own business or, or would just like to try it on the side, and they, it, this, is the, this is a good moment because it doesn't take much to create your own platform. Your own, uh, it, all you need is your ideas, and then you can broadcast out there. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. But at a minimum, it's a it's a source of uh, of inspiration to try to to create something, put it out there, and uh, I'm I'm really personally inspired by that, and I think you are too. And I love that when I go through look at my LinkedIn feed, and I see so many people trying something new, trying to blog, trying to interview people. It's just exciting. I accept almost every interview anybody asks me because I really want to promote it. I believe in it. I'm so glad you do. That's I see it, too. Now, you also labored through tariffs. It looks like that it, if I, uh, because your gross margins are so good, you've managed to be able to handle this and, and not hurt profitability. Yeah, you know, we had we probably had 200 basis points of impact from tariffs and currency through the year. But, you know, thanks to a great team and, uh, and, and a nice mixed story throughout the year, we've been able to offset that. And then some we actually are up 60 basis points, which is is a compliment to our team. Bracken, can you talk to us about what Logitech is doing to leveling the playing field for gamers, both this country and abroad? You know, one of the things we've done is we we introduced an adaptive controller, which is works with the Xbox. So anybody can game, even differently enabled people. And we're super proud of that product. Uh, a second thing is we just try to make sure that our offerings span a wide range of price points. So as li- for as little as $50 or $30, you can get into the gaming uh, universe with a competitive product. And, and, uh, and then the last thing is, you know, we're just big promoters of all the universities and colleges that are, that are now doing, giving scholarships for gaming throughout the country. And those should be and will be enabled, uh, available to everyone. We're big believers in diversity and inclusion. And I think gaming is a, a real opportunity to level the playing field. Okay, in your deck, you have a page, PC webcams. Uh, we have seen so many Zoom uh, adaptations on our network, and I've had to be in Zoom, you know, boozy brunches, whatever. It's clear that this PC webcam is a step up. Should everybody be getting this thing? And what's the definite, what, how much better is the definition with your stream cam than just what we're seeing uh, for what's passing is Zoom? You know, I mean, uh, you can, you can obviously, you can, if you, if you pay a little bit more for a dedicated webcam, you can get a better look. I mean, it really will improve the appearance on camera. Um, and so that's one of the reasons people get them. Uh, we have HD, you know, fully HD and, and 1080p and all those things. You know, at the end of the day, what we want to do is just enable people to communicate better. And, and so a lot of people's home setups, if you've got a dedicated laptop and it, it, it sits over here, you're, you're looking down or you're looking up. This gives you a chance to really look better. So it is a chance to upgrade. All right. So last question. Uh, there are people who are saying the work at home, the genie's out of the bottle. It is here to stay. What percentage of people, when things turn around the economy, do you think will still be working from home? You know, I saw a forecast from uh, a gardener, I think, the other day. It said it would be a 10 percent increase. I think it's going to be more than that. I think you're going to you're going to have a certainly a 10 percent increase of people who work full time at home. But it's going to be a lot bigger than that of people who are going to work part of the time at home. 
you know, I think you just realized that, that I think we're all realizing, you know, we can make this work and it's got big benefits, including for the environment outside. And so I hope that a lot of people are working from home a lot more of the time. Yeah, but we agree here. We think that number's way low, and you're going to be right. Brack and Daryl, President and CEO of Logitech, thank you for making our viewers so much money by saying, hey, the stock's wrong. Really appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for having me on again. All right. You guys said, look, the quarter's going to be good. Don't know why the stock's at 37. Well, he was right. Now money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the light round. Let's start with Nick in Connecticut. Nick! Booyah, Jim. I'm a 19-year-old new investor. I recently bought shares of Sprout Social, and I'm currently up 50%. Do I sell, hold, or buy? Listen, Chief. Listen, Chief. Your first stock, you just started. This is what you do. You sell 50% right now. That's going to cushion any loss. And then you can let the rest ride. Congratulations. You understand the value of investing. Dave? Okay, maybe trading. Dave in Michigan. Dave! Booyah, Jim, from the state of Michigan. Love, Mish. Go. Um, thank you for your sound daily advice as it's helped me and it helps many of your listeners. Thank you. Thank you very right, much. Jim. Yes, I own Dow Chemical. It's been down a little from where it normally trades. And I saw a downgrade from a firm last week. Yes. Um, I say uh, take the profit. I think that it's got a good yield, but I think that the business is not doing well. It just has to do with the weakness in the economy. Let's go to Nate in Ohio. Nate. Jim, I want to give a big Cleveland Browns booyah! What's you need to? What's up? They were better this year. I'm sorry. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on the company Fiverr. Oh man, that thing is way too hot. That one be sizzling. I wouldn't go there. That's what I call a parabolic move. Too fast. Too big. Too fast. Let's go to Andrew in California. Andrew. Booyah and go birds from Santa Monica, Jim. Oh, lucky I dog. I want to ask you about Brascom. Really? You going to Brascom? Oh, man. You know, you're going, you're betting on a big turnaround in the economy, and I'm going to have to nix that. I don't see it happen. I'm going to say that that's a dangerous stock, and I think I even question the yield. Let's go to uh, Sugeet in Pennsylvania. Sugeet. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Ah, good enough day. How about you? Good, good, good. Hey, Jim, I have a question about the REIT. So I want to start a long-term position, maybe three years, two to three years, and start accumulating as prices, as I get good prices. What are your thoughts on Ventus? You have this- it was a tough quarter. Ventus was a really tough quarter. Deb Kufaro's got her hands filled. These uh, nursing homes, very tough situation. Uh, I can't recommend the stock. That quarter was really uh, difficult. The ready agencies are all over it. You should read that quarterly before you do some buying. Let's go to Ben in Colorado. Ben! Jim, thanks for bringing the energy uh, every day. You've That's what you got to bring. Sports. Yeah, you've upstaged Sky Sports News at our house. That's no mean feat. Uh, here's, my, here's my deal. I uh, thought I was being smart targeting 5G infrastructure companies. Uh, picked uh, one on the smaller side called Insego. Yeah, that's okay. That's a big 5G. It's like a pure 5G play. We like it. 
a little over overheated, but we like it. Let's go to Colin in Pennsylvania. Colin. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Call me Philadelphia. Go Eagles. Go Birds. Hey, so as a nurse, want to give a quick shout out and thank you to all the frontline workers out there. Totally. Um, so this stock has risen. This, this stock has risen substantially over the last week as a current shareholder. My question is to you: Do I hold and wait for a dip, or buy more now? The stock is BTIQ. That thing's insane, man. That's way too hot. I happen to like Steve. I like Steve Gursky very much, but that last spike up, I can't let you do it. It's just too. It could be too heartbreaking. I'm going to have to say no on that one. Let's go to Mark in Iowa, please. Mark. Hey, Jim, I'm wondering about Delphi Technology. Stop wondering. It's not going anywhere. Why would you want to touch that? we got enough problems. Auto? I mean, I've been nixed. I was watching DuPont the other day thinking I should be recommending DuPont. But they got auto, and even though they got this great nutrition business, it's not enough. They have 5G. They have nutrition. They got auto. It can bring down anybody. Auto can stop an elephant. Let's go to Brandon in Massachusetts. Brandon. Booyah, Professor Show. Thanks Yo, man, I, be, I was chilling today. What's going on? <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate the energy you bring every day, man. Thank you. I've been following Yext over the last few months. And with their emphasis on search, earnings come up towards the end of the month and being down significantly from their 2019 peak, is now a good time to buy? Yeah, I like that. We had Lorman on. That's a, uh, an interesting company. I mean, now we don't worry about advertising and, uh, and Internet. I'm not as concerned. I like that story. I think it's a good story. And they're always welcome. Uh, uh, gentlemen, the guys are gentlemen. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. All day we heard rumors that Uber is about to acquire Grubhub in an all-stock deal that would value the business at roughly $6.25 billion. After the close, there was a report that the two companies might not be able to agree on a price. But I'm hoping Uber is willing to pay more because this would be a genius move. For over a year, I've been saying that Uber's Achilles heel is Uber Eats, their delivery business. There's just too much competition in the delivery space and it's question of profitability. Uber knows it. Investors cheered when the company pulled out of some of those markets that were the most dreary. Before the pandemic, it was a lousy business here in the U.S. The restaurants have been able to pit the big delivery services against each other. Grubhub is the dominant player. But they've been struggling because their customers have no real brand loyalty. They've got no problem switching to Postmates or DoorDash if it means they had a better deal. CEO Matt Maloney said it. He called customers promiscuous. One of his releases couldn't agree more. However, as Grubhub's dominance has been challenged, they've responded with incredibly cool technology. And thanks to COVID-19, that technology is suddenly a lot more valuable. For example, they let you order takeout from a restaurant, and you'll know precisely when it will be ready. It's like a train time schedule. There you are. You can get in and out. Rather than getting stuck in line at a time when mass people are supposed to be uh, stay six feet apart, but instead are massless and are right next to each other, it gets better. As restaurants have been forced to embrace delivery, they're now reckoning with the fact that delivery services can be really spotty. Plus, everyone wants a strong competitor to the venture capital-funded DoorDash, which just acquired Caviar from Square. In some ways, DoorDash has become too powerful. Restaurants want a partner that can get food to the customer quickly and with the least expense. The best way to get that is to pit a fortified Grubhub Uber Eats against the DoorDash. Grubhub is currently lacking in coverage for its, full, uh, for its house delivery service. Uber Eats is probably thought to be too expensive. Put them together. I think you got a real winner. This combination makes so much sense for the industry that I think it would actually allow Postmates to finally come public. Good 
company. These companies can thrive in a world where there are three viable delivery services. That's just the right amount of competition. It could be great. So one fell swoop, this deal would create an incredible amount of value for Uber and Grubhub shareholders. Restaurants would end up paying uh, maybe a little bit more, but the major operators would be able to offer consistent service. That is really worth the trade-off. If I were Matt Maloney, the CEO of Grubhub, I would hold out. I bet you he can get 2.5 shares of Uber for each share of Grubhub, up from 2.15 number where we were hearing about earlier. Come on, Matt. The deal makes too much sense not to do. That said, in the year of COVID, I'll take a deal, any deal, just to show a pulse in the M&A market, which has pretty much ceased to exist until today. Stick with Kramer. Huge, ugly sell program today and reversal. These usually bode poorly for a couple of days. It wouldn't shock me to see some gains given up as we try to figure out when we can open this economy without too much damage physically. It's a very hard choice. We're all going to have to weigh in. And it's not easy to try to figure out whether there's enough money coming in to make it work. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. Markets and Turmoil with my friend Scott Wapner is next. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.